Well, hello. Hey. Ready for this? Oh, I cannot tell you how ready I am. I'm so ready. I'm so excited for this conversation. Cannot wait to speak to Jenny and Claire. But before we do, what have you been up to? Oh, wow. Do you know what? My life is just so exciting at the moment. <laughs> Go on, tell me. What rock and roll things have you been up okay, to? Okay, so um, I renewed my car insurance. Okay, yeah, jealous. I, yeah. yeah. I've got new windscreen wipers. Oh my god! Yeah. I, do you know I actually need to do that? Life admin. Yeah. I mean, this is this is serious stuff. And to go with life admin, I also not only am I uh, now venturing in the world of online dating through one platform, but through two. Oh my Again. god! Go on. What what are you on? Tell me. I'm on Bumble now. Wow. Yeah. Do you know when before I met. Steve, lovely, lovely, noisy Steve, who we all who met. Hoovers, who hoovers, please. Uh, before I met Steve, uh, I was on Plenty of Fish because that was literally the only dating thing but there. Now there's a plethora. And do you know what? He told me after we got together that he saw my profile on Plenty of Fish but chose not to message me. <gasps> How rude is that? Um, there is something rude. about that. Love him to pieces, been together over 10 years. Rude. Never forgive him for that. No. Um, but it's, it's a little bit ironic because... I, you would have thought now that the world's opening up a little bit, that you could kind of venture into the, the big wide world and maybe meet people more socially, but I think people are still a bit nervous. I don't, I don't think that dating is like that though anymore, is it? Like you can't... I feel like it's algorithm in a pub yeah. and say hi. Uh-huh. It's a true story. And also yeah. what's really interesting is the difference in the platforms... Like, so talk I'm, to me, what's Bumble? I don't so Bumble, I sound like a nana, no, even though I'm no. So, I mean, I'm no expert yet. Let's yeah, just, I like that. Yeah, I haven't paid, like, for the pro. Just, I'm, like, no little time No one pays for the steps. pro. Don't they? I feel like, I feel like, I, I just feel like it might be Hang addictive. on, my, data, my dating data is from over 10 years ago, so I don't know, maybe people do pay for the pro. Oh, who knows? We'll see. I mean, I'm nearly... Sounds like a whole other kind of dating app, oh. but, you know... Carry on. So, so yeah, Bumble is basically women go first. So it's like empowering women in a kind of like strange kind of way. So men, can, men can't message you. Can you see how tall they are and check that they're taller Only than you when you're in heels? There are things you need to know. And I think that maybe there's an episode that we should do where we, from a woman's point of view, tell men exactly what would really help. Well, you know, there's an episode coming up where someone's coming on to us to talk... Coming on to us? <laughs> Hang on. Through Bumble. Hello. Coming on to talk to us yeah. about paddleboarding, and I know that... There is a link. There's a link there, so yeah. I think that conversation's okay. coming. We'll, it's coming. We'll, we'll save that. We'll save that. So, yeah. So, basically, it's been all about car insurance, windscreen wipers, um, setting up a Bumble profile. Nice. Yeah. Uh, walking the dog, getting wet. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I took, so we went for a walk uh, <laughs> at the weekend. We went to Seaton Beach. I love Seaton. We left Plymouth and granted it was a bit drizzly. By the time we got to Seaton, the heavens had opened. Um, we started walking along the beach. It kind of dried up a bit. We thought, oh, this is going to be fine. Then there was another downpour. By the time we got to Down Derry and went to the pub, I was slightly delirious, yeah. completely soaked. Yeah. The dog was hugely unimpressed yeah uh but we still had a lovely time we were proper brits of this is not going to dampen our fun we're just going I'm to carry going to on smile. i'm gonna sit outside because the pubs weren't <laughs> open at that point i'm gonna sit outside and i'm gonna drink <laughs> and then i'm gonna carry on Every, but do you know what's quite funny about that is we did the same not in the same place but we did walks on the same day didn't we yeah, we, we did. both posted both got soaked very moody wet shots oh god that sounds no <laughs> We're not like that. Just no. friends. Just friends. <laughs> Maybe we'll share them. Maybe we'll share them at some point so that people can see what we mean. We'll yeah. do side by side. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I can top your rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, because really although I've out. not renewed my car insurance, I have... Wait for it. Are you ready? Reorganise my fridge. <gasps> can I've we got... just... One moment. Can we just take a moment? That. Is impressive. I mean, don't be jealous. Don't I hate me because you ain't me. I hate you a little bit. <laughs> Got rid of all the jars of like little bits of Thai green there. curry paste. Why yeah. did I have three open jars of that yeah. just sat in the back of my fridge? All gone. Why do do New it? containers, organised everything. I am literally living my best life. Do you know what I notice that I do in the fridge? 
Tell me, what do you do in your fridge? <laughs> that came out so wrong. But I keep, like, if you have kind of sun-dried tomato in oil or olives or, like, I'll I'll use them all, but then I'll be too, like, I wouldn't want to throw the juice or the oil away. So I'll put it in the fridge and try and think what I'm going to do with it. And then I end up throwing it away anyway. I feel like that needs to be your homework before the next episode of, like, what did Ellie do in her fridge? Insight into why I'm single. (laughs) (laughs) My fridge has no food, but lots of oil and olive juice. I'm going to make a request. Any recipe suggestions (laughs) for oil of sun-dried tomatoes? (laughs) Please send them in. Uh, Maybe we need to get uh, one of the Tanner brothers in to tell us how to cook. Um, oh my god, really, I do need that. Give us some recipe suggestions. Yeah. I feel like I should know how to cook running a little baking business. Yeah, well, but no, you do know, you know how to bake. I know how to bake. I like to think I can cook, but you know, who knows? We'll do I a ready, steady cook you know, there, are, there are two things that I can't do, and I've been really open about that on my whole single adventure. I can't cook and I can't park. What do you mean you can't park? Surely can't, you can park. No, I can't parallel park. I'm really bad at it. I get really dyslexic with where I'm going. You just stress out too much. And if there's people around, cars around, I will just drive off. I'm like a dog looking for a place Steve to go. Steve makes fun of me when I park in front of our house because he thinks <laughs> that I do that kind of Austin Powers move of going backwards and forwards like 10 I times. I shuffle. Even though I'm straight, like I'm straight against the curb, I'll go backwards and forwards but until I feel completely, perfectly in the middle and where I want but to be. But do you know what happens as well? When I nail it, like when I'm like, oh my Christ, I'm so good at parking... No one's there to witness it. <laughs> when I absolutely mess up and I look like an absolute moron, everyone watches. Well, that's just the way. Wait a Anyway, I think so maybe you should keep some gold stars in your glove box so when yes! you pop Oh my God, that's what you need to do. Do it. Put it on Pop It. Put it on like the windscreen of the car. Yeah. Is your car called Pop It? Yeah, my car. <laughs> oh, my car's called Princess. Oh. Steve loves it. <laughs> it's about in Princess. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, I feel like we should also talk about uh, someone's said birthday talking of Stephen oh, Lee. Oh, Stephen Lee's birthday. We're oh. still trying to figure out how to get him in a helicopter. Yes. I did think of a name. We've had so many requests for that, though. I thought of a name for the segment of challenging Steve to do stuff. Okay. Now, bear with me. Okay, okay. I'm going to have wine. a Plymouth local, so this is proper me trying to be clever about using Challenge Annika as a theme. Okay, don't be too clever though, it might go over How do you feel about huh. Challenge Janna? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Does he love it? Will he love it though? I'm not sure. Well, I think... But I love it. It's either that or Adventure Steve. Oh, Challenge Janna. Challenge Janna feels like it could be a I, thing. Yeah, no. Um, I can't tell you how many messages we've had, haven't we, about Stephen Lee out there mainly wanting to see him jump out of a helicopter in lycra funny enough he has done a skydive before i think he could be tempted to do yeah. something crazy yeah we'll see we'll and, see and he does hint about being part of it doesn't he he's, he does he's, he's very keen yeah. very keen but his birthday yes so you'd think a wednesday in may you'd pretty much be guaranteed sunshine right mm, yeah. no no tipped it down with rain yeah. tipped it down with rain so I did what any grown up would do on a birthday and Have I a day. I no, <laughs> I made him a dinosaur birthday cake. Of course you did. And then we went for a walk on the hoe, took Coleman the puppy mm-hmm. for a little walk. Um had a little walk. We went to Brewdog, had lunch, which was oh, lovely. How was it? And highly recommend the chicken okay. wings. Oh. And I was driving, Steve was drinking, but he had the Elvis juice grapefruit IPA. And it was excellent. And I now need to go back when I'm not driving to have lots of that. Uh, So really enjoyed that. And then we came home and I had sorted out. I got a whole load of arts and crafts supplies. And we did an art attack afternoon where he had to paint a canvas with his favourite thing. I thought you were going to say with his face. (laughs) That would have been better. We had to make finger puppets. I bought a finger puppet set. Typically they did not work. But, you know, it was the fun. fun. And then we... um, just had loads of other stuff to make arts and crafts with. So we did that. And then we went to our favourite pub for dinner. We went to the Lord High Admiral in Stonehouse. Oh, I love it. And it was pizza night. 
And we sat in their pub garden, which is all covered and has a log burner. So it's actually really cosy. Oh. And it was really lovely, but... We're not actually here to talk about us, are we? We've it's, been it's gabbing always, away. It's not always all about us. We're getting too excited. <laughs> um, we're delighted to introduce so our guest, our very first guest. Oh. Um, so, eek, we're excited to talk to them. So excited. And do you know what? I think this is going to be, I mean, this is our first full episode mm-hmm. with two incredible people doing amazing things. And I think that they are going to take us on a real journey over the next kind of 30 minutes. I think so. Um, um, yeah. Oh, no, you go. Yeah, I was you go. Say, and I'm genuinely, like, I know that we should know a huge amount about what they do and the organisation. And we probably do know more than most. But there is still so much I want to find out. And I can't wait. And I just, I think it's so incredible, the work that Real Ideas does and the Market Hall specifically, mm-hmm. being the first immersive dome of this type in Europe, um, the only other one that I'm aware of is in Canada. So mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear more about what that means, what that yeah. what that's going to feel like, what it's going to look like, what kind of events they're going to be hosting. And how um, it works in Plymouth. And how it works in Plymouth, yes. Yeah. And also that kind of question of, okay, I understand why they've done it, but why have they done it in Devonport? Like what... Why have they chosen that space to do it? So, without further ado, without us rambling anymore, without us getting too giddy, which we will get to whilst we talk to them, um, we are so excited to introduce and speak to Jenny Bishop and Claire Honey from (gasps) Real Ideas Organisation. Welcome, ladies. How are you doing? Oh, hello. Thank you for having us. Hello. Oh, my goodness. We've been so excited about this conversation. And we're not at all nervous. Good. Don't be nervous. No, no pressure being your first real guest, right? Um, we're going to have to set the, the bar high, Miss Honey. We'll do our best. I think we do need a cheers. We Sat here cheers. with a bit of Prosecco. Cheers. cheers. Nice to get you all together. Um, so in, thanks. in the market hall. In the market hall. We've just had a sneak preview and it's looking incredible. Such an amazing space. I've got such an amazing feeling. The location just works so well, doesn't it? Like, feels so right. Yeah. It's been a labour of love um, for about really six has. years, hasn't it? Um, Claire and I have, you know, been more involved more recently, but different people in the business have been working on it for quite a while now. And it's, it's extraordinary to be in here right on the edge of it opening. You know, it feels almost We're there. We're like on the cusp, almost aren't we? there. Yeah, yeah. Close. quite emotional. Yeah, it is. It, it's, and we've had the community in today, haven't we? We have, which was a big moment, a very big moment. How did that feel then, opening it up and letting people come in? Because I'm guessing for for what feels like quite a long time, it's been growing and and you've been kind of developing it inside and out. So people see it daily, they pass it. How do you make it still feel new to them, even though they've been passing it kind of on a daily basis? So I mean, we got a lot of comments today because so many people have watched the fencing go up, they've watched the builders go in and out, they've watched materials come in and out, and they were saying, no, we've watched this for the last two years happening and no idea what was going to be inside it. Um, despite what we've put out, you know, you still don't know until you've actually seen it. Um, and it felt really important to us to have to open our doors to the community first. Mm-hmm. So everybody on the estate has been invited in um, over the next couple of weeks for just to look around. So they came in for tea and cake today, had a guided so tour, nice. um, and then went into the dome and just seeing the faces and the oohs and ahs and oh. yeah, it was amazing. And all the kids just loving it because they have never seen anything like it. They've never seen what a this building in the state that it's in, and b an immersive dome. Yeah. So it was, yeah. Well, immersive dome. I mean, that's that's a conversation that maybe we'll pop on hold yeah. for a bit later we'll on. Come on because, to that. Yeah. So in terms of real ideas, we obviously have spoken about you guys a little bit in our intro, and we were giddy with excitement about very how much. You guys are. Very much so. to come on. I, think. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah, I know. We made the assumption. We kind of had no option. <laughs> Ladies, obviously, we always would. Well, there is a lovely connection between us all, isn't there? Which, um, so I should probably, you know, confess our relationship. <laughs> disclaimer. disclaimer and uh, what is it? Expression of no, not expression of conflict of interest. <laughs> uh, so, fabulous Jenny is my sister, my my big sister. 
one of your big sisters one of my big sisters yes don't want to get told off by the third <laughs> the third sister um and obviously we're all friends yeah well I've known Claire now for about 15 years yes. we've worked together in different guises and just just became friends instantly instantly yeah. <laughs> and Claire and I um, our paths crossed gosh back in 2004 when I was at Pavilions and you were at the Theatre Royal, when, the um, when Pavilions was managed by the Theatre Royal. So our careers kind of just crossed for about a few months then, didn't they? But we only started working together when I joined Real Ideas in 2012. And I joined Real Ideas in 2010. So then we met when you you started. Right. We actually met when we, I bought oh, some sugar, t- bought some yeah, sugar tongues, tongues from your mum's mom. antique shop. Yeah. Sugar tongues? <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. They're little, little pieces of yeah. tongues. Oh, oh, I took a tongue. Tongues. Sorry. I was imagining actual tongue shaped <laughs> things made of sugar. Thinking, so was I. What is that? <laughs> I don't think Charlie Partridge stocks those, but if she, she did, I'd definitely buy one. Yeah, huh? yeah I'd well, definitely well buy one. if they were anything, she would stock them. <laughs> <laughs> so I think now's a good opportunity for us to ask you the ultimate question of what does Real Ideas do for anyone who's listening who doesn't understand it? And obviously, we've already referenced the fact that you've gone through a bit of a rebrand to kind of help talk about that a bit more so and we are being on our best behavior about that yeah Real ideas all the way Real if we even way. try and say rio we've got electric shocks built yeah. in now mm, we're, we're gonna to touch each other yeah <laughs> <laughs> so t- tell us a bit about real ideas and a bit about the work that you guys do as a whole but particularly in plymouth okay so real ideas organization that's our full name uh previously you you might have heard of us or or people listening might have known us as rio that's just our acronym we've always been real ideas organization um but we felt it was really important to own the bits that make us really special and that's um doing real work on the ground that improves people's lives so we work across things like um, practical regeneration in places we work with young people to help them build better futures we support entrepreneurs to put good ideas into practice and start new ventures we do a huge amount of work with the cultural sector and also with schools Um, and that practical work that we do on the ground with them we then kind of build up into some of the big ideas that might just change strategy and policy at a regional national and perhaps international level so our magic our real and ideas magic comes when we work at the intersection of those two things Um, we were set up in 2007 by Lindsay Hall and Matt Little who um, had been previously working on some contracts for the, out, for the Arts Council. Um, and following the end of those, they joined together to create Real Ideas Organisation. And since then, have, have grown the business. We're what, 14 years old now. Um, and we've got office spaces in Bristol. Uh, we've got a number of buildings in Plymouth. We've also got quite a lot of work and interest down in Cornwall. So our interest spread to Newquay and Liscard and Redruth. And yeah, we're just trying to change the world for the better, really. And I think what's really nice, I was really lucky enough to go to your 10-year birthday party. Oh. And um, Which doesn't feel like it was four years ago. It doesn't, no. does it? And Where is that time blink? I had glitter on my face and jacket for, <laughs> for about days. four years yeah. after. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was, that was an epic celebration. And, and what I genuinely felt was... It wasn't just celebrating that you had survived 10 years or you had got to 10 years or it was kind of a 10-year anniversary. It felt like it was this amazing journey of change and transformation. And the people that attended, it was lovely because it was so eclectic. It was so diverse. There were people who didn't really know the kind of strategy behind Real Ideas, but they knew what you had done to their life and their world and what you had touched on them. And they were talking to each other and then they were talking mm. to kind of Lindsay and not knowing who Lindsay was. but And what I think is the magic behind Real Ideas is that you're serious about what you do, but you don't take yourself so seriously that you don't allow people in. And I think that is such yeah. a massive expression. Um, and that's the beauty, I think, behind an organisation like Real Ideas. And I suppose my question is, how does that come about? Is that your passion and purpose? And is that your natural DNA? And the, the natural inclination for you guys is just to make tomorrow better than today for everyone? Or is it kind of almost um, a, a, a thought process that you go on to make sure it feels like that? Mm-hmm. So does it happen organically or do you structure it to be that way? Oh, I, 
I think it's fair to say that our mission at the moment is to create community. Mm -hmm. And it's to create a really inclusive community that brings people with us. Um, We don't want to, and Ellie, these are your words, we don't want to parachute in somewhere, change people's lives without them having agency Mm -hmm. and influence over it. So um, particularly, you know, our kind of business model is changing to more of a membership model. Mm -hmm. That membership isn't about just about co-work space. Yes, you can come and use space in our buildings, but it's about creating a community of like-minded people Mm -hmm. who want to make change in their world. And that's not putting real ideas at the centre of it. We facilitate that space. Mm -hmm. But the idea being that a young person in that community can reach out to a business in that community or a community organisation and they can make stuff happen together. Mm -hmm. They don't need us in the middle of it. What we're trying to do is convene a space. Create that environment. Create the environment. That's really exciting. Um, create the community and create some energy. You know, we, we want a movement of people mm-hmm. who perhaps aren't party political. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to make change in the world. They might not be driven by politics with a capital P, but they want something to be part of. They want to be able to influence things. They want to be able to change stuff. And by being part of our community and being part of our membership, they find a tribe that they can do that with. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's definitely, but a tribe not in a way that people are ever too late to join, because one that you can join as it goes. As it exactly. Goes. When and I think sitting here in the market hall, it definitely feels like the start of something really exciting. Mm. Alongside, you know, I, you can kind of see Devonport Guildhall if you yeah look yeah. through and the buildings. But the this feels like a really exciting moment for you guys and kind of. A, getting ready to open this building like you say bringing the community in but also for the opportunities that are kind of coming up for this immersive dome that we've been hearing about and kind of I think people starting to understand what that means and how they can get involved in it is really exciting so tell us a bit about the dome tell us what it means and it is really difficult because until you do actually stand in one of this kind it's really difficult to describe it it's really difficult to understand it um but essentially it's a if you think of a planetarium which has fixed seating and things like that where you would see space stuff um it comes down to a 180 um degrees like a hemisphere like a hemisphere yeah. um, and 360 all around our dome is um the only one of its kind in europe and it's 210 so it actually comes down further to the floor and comes back starts coming around again um, it's got a flat floor and we haven't got fixed seating deliberately um, so that it's a really versatile space. So um, we can have beanbags in there, we can just be stood or lying down in there, which is what my children did the first time they went in. <laughs> Amazing. Um, dance in we there, can we dance can dance in there, do yoga around. So it's a really versatile space. And essentially, it's a dome screen. So Even you, a bubble, a, bubble. a screen bubble. Yeah. Um, and with that, you can um, have projections of, and it's got two projectors, and it's got a 19.1 sound system, which I've learned quite a lot about in the last few <laughs> <laughs> I've become um, a sound geek. Yeah, I've become a sound geek and an audio, audio and tech, video and all that sort of thing, um, which means basically we've got um, complete surround sound and can move sound around as well, so it's really interesting. So... Not only can you do like film, you can do animation, uh, you could do VR, you can do AR things, you can do gaming, you could do live performance with a background, you could just do sound. And when we take you in a little while, even just standing in the space with nothing in it is a really amazing experience. So even just with the white screen and sound coming to you could be a really exciting thing. It sounds so incredible. And it is incredible. And it's the sort of space you walk into and you're like, wow, there isn't anything like this. I've not experienced this before. And these are the sorts of things that we've been hearing. Mm. And also like, oh my goodness, that's moving really fast. And oh no, <laughs> I need to go out a minute because it's a little bit shaky. It's sensory um, overload, isn't it? So, so how do you go about programming that space when there are so many opportunities? How do you go, this is what we're going to start with? This is what we're going to do. Um, we've been on quite an interesting journey with the programming because um, it's... It's been around, so Full Dome, as it were, has been around for over a decade. There are people that have been working on creating content, mainly scientists' research and things like that. A lot of it has come from uh, space centres and, you know, that sort mm-hmm. of planetarium thing. So there's, um, there are various networks, but there's um, arts networks, there's research networks, yeah. there's, you know, all these different types. Um, and it feels at the beginning of the medium. So it's a bit mm. like filmmaking was 30 years ago. So it's, it's no. that kind of interesting thing that there's these people, there are these lovely people who are creating all this really amazing stuff that are kind of finding their feet around it. 
So there's no standard way of licensing it. There's no um, standard way of people distributing it. It just exists out there. People create stuff and half the time they haven't even got a platform to put it on oh, because wow. they might have created something for a VR headset but haven't even tested it in a dome. Um, so this is like a shop window for people to absolutely. play Absolutely. And, and the people that have come out of the woodwork since we um, we went to, a, um, we're part now of the um, arts network, Full Dome Arts Network, and we went to the first meeting and um, Mike Phillips, who's at the University of Plymouth, who's, who is actually his fault we've got the dome. Because he's been creating stuff for years that's been happening at the University of Plymouth and the IVT, or he's been going all over the world with the work that he does. Incredible reputation. Incredible he? reputation. Yeah. He is famous. Like, when we came onto this arts um, network, he was like, oh, my Phyllis is here, oh my goodness. Wow, and, and that's, Plymouth doesn't know about that. No, Plymouth doesn't know about that. sounds untrue, but I actually just got goosebumps yeah. hearing you talk about something from Plymouth that's yes. famous that actually we that I have no clue about, about and that we don't celebrate, and this is well, it's been incredible. This is the first really open and accessible community stage that that will exist for that work yeah. mm. so this export that Plymouth yeah. has had this digital immersive creative content um, which is shown all around the world and Mike Phillips is really famous in all these different places he'll actually be able to show it in his city where he lives yeah. in the place where his students to his family study yeah. his family and his friends it will be visible yes. and the problem is a lot of this brilliant stuff has been happening and is happening across all different kinds of sectors but it's invisible and do you know what's amazing about it as well is that this is an opportunity for the people who are developing and exploring that world of creating to have a platform to mm. show off what they do but it's also the opportunity for people who know nothing about it to kind of come and, and yeah. see so the magic is the tying together of those yeah. two worlds and that's the kind of and in terms of our program the way that we've structured it as well is we will have a very public open program you can buy a ticket you can come in and see something like you would at the cinema but you'll also other days of the week you'll be able to come and tinker and create stuff mm. and then test it on the dome in the afternoon that's so cool um, we're really also looking exciting. at a kind of scratch night so if you have created something and you want to actually show it to a public like an, audience like an open mic yeah. So, yeah so if you want to show oh, it to a public audience so the audience know that, that they're not sure what they're going to get yeah. um, but they can then do like after screening talks and get those kind of critique back and that kind of feedback straight away. Um, so it's um, it, for us, that's really important. It's not just about programming to, yeah, for people uh, to wall see. to wall for people yeah. to just come in and buy a ticket and see. It's about creating, as Jenny said, it's about creating that community around it. So people mm. who who might be dancers but want to come and try something in an immersive space and try something with a different background, for example, you know, they can come and work with someone that knows the tech and can create something that might respond to their movement. That sounds um, so cool. So, and like I said, it, it's endless and it's huge and there's so much of it out there and there's so many people out there, but they haven't had a platform in the UK to actually be you know and it's yeah. and so Plymouth's now part of this global network yes which well, it, is, yeah, was yeah. Before. it was oh, before it was before so, um, but even without the dome yeah so Plymouth wow. actually hosted the first full dome UK festival um back in 2010 I think which was hosted no at the University of Plymouth at the IVT um and they're was actually being using back their, like, this year. their planetarium their yeah. was it IVT immersive Immersive video theatre. Don't they have like a portable dome? I remember years ago having one on the piazza that they did some stuff in. Yeah. But you like had to literally crawl in through it. Yeah. It was an inflatable. So it's like a tiny version of what's at Christmas when they had that one in the the plaza where you had your photo taken inside with all the snow. Not like that. Not like that. So yes, the Full Dome UK Festival, the people behind that, I mean, Guy Nova, who actually, you know, they are the brains behind the design for the dome. And they're really excited about bringing it back to Plymouth because they've had a close relationship with the city for a very long time with Mike and the university. Um, So, uh, and this year we are actually going to do a Best of the Earth. So it's going to be connected to the Full Dome Festival in Jena, in Germany. And there's also... um, uh, Brazil, Brazil um, and Los Angeles and um, one in Australia. So we're That's actually so in our cool. first year going to be on the global network of a full dome festival. Oh my goodness. That's one to watch, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's... So when, you, when we're talking about the dome and the immersive experience and how it's connecting these two worlds together, the creators and, and the viewers, the onlookers, and the programming... It has to 
also, I suppose, be able to draw in an income. It has to be commercial. It has to keep itself. And being a social enterprise, you have to make a profit in order for you to keep doing what you do. She's so, gone into fundraising mode. She's so, gone into fundraising mode. <laughs> I heard it in her voice. Yes. Stand down, stand down. Um, so how, how is that going to work? Because it's obviously not a cheap unit. It's obviously not cheap to run. Um, how are you going to make sure it stays here? Right. Should we talk about the funding first, how we raise the money yeah. for the building? So it's a £7.6 million build which actually, for a building like this, with the tech that's gone into it and some of the gorgeous interiors mm. and finishes, oh, yes. it's not a lot, really, no. for a building like this. And it's um, grade two listed, which means we have to be really careful mm. with, with all of the development around it. Um, so 7.6 million was the cost of the build, and that was raised from money outside of the city. So no Plymouth taxpayer money has gone towards this building. This is all investment in Plymouth from elsewhere uh, and nationally, and that which is really important. Invest- yeah. Yeah. Really important. Really important. So the likes of the Arts Council, um, the government through the, the Chancellor's budget um, five or six years ago, um, gave some investment for the Dome. There's some European money that's come into it. Um, and there was also the dowry from this building. So when the Homes and Communities Agency had this, and they were building all the red row homes around, they needed to find someone with a business plan to come and take it on. So there was a little bit of money attached to that as well. So we had the money for the capital so to, to renovate the building and get it to the, the state that you can see at the moment yeah. and put the dome on. So when our chief exec, Lindsay, went out to Montreal... With Mike Phillips. With Mike Phillips from the uni, um, this building was never intended to have a dome. See, I was going to ask what came first, the dome or the building? The building. The building. The building. The building. Wow. We always, you know, we've been involved in this building for about six years. Plymouth City Council um, took the building on from the Homes and Communities Agency and was looking for partners to renovate it. And given our track record with Devonport Guildhall, then getting involved in Ocean Studios and other projects we've done, um, I think it's fair to say that we're a trusted pair of hands when it comes to heritage buildings mm. that also bring practical community use um, with mm-hmm. them. So we got involved there and then you know, the business plans move on. What's viable financially moves on because trends change and, yeah. and the, the external environment and the changes. the change has mm. been massive. Yeah. Um, but yes, our chief exec, Lindsay, went out to Montreal, saw the dome at, at SAT in Montreal, and that's the one that's inspired our dome here. So there's a really important connection between us and mm-hmm. Montreal as well. Um, and not just because you two went. We did. Manage. <laughs> we did. But I think it was essential. It actually. was essential. Yes. You have to go and see how it works to figure out how you can make it work here, yes. I guess. Absolutely. So we, we were able to raise the money, the capital, to renovate the building. But what we don't often have in our buildings is any revenue funding to keep them um, keep mm-hmm. doors open, keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. So our business model here is that, obviously, the dome will sell tickets. People can come and have a brilliant dome experience. There'll be a food and drink offer as well. So yes. they'll be able to come and, and have can, can we just a say evening. how beautiful the space is and the bar. Oh, my I God. can't stop bar. touching no. the bar. It's very beautiful. We'll post some pictures, yeah. but... It and looks beautiful, and when you get a chance to visit, you have to you have to come and just yeah. see and, how and gorgeous it all is. Spot the domes to shape as well, because there are so many elements. Yeah, and little bits of dome. Yeah, around. you can actually know you've said that. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I interrupted you. No, Carry it's okay. On. <laughs> um, and just on the interiors, we work with Wayne Hemingway and Hemingway Design on the look and feel and the the style of the building. But we've worked with some incredible local craftspeople to um, to put the look together, including Dave Elliott who's built the most beautiful bar for us. Um, Stunning. You know, working with the Hemingway influence, but bringing his own touches to it as well. So we're really lucky to have so much talent here in the city that we've been able to bring into the building. It doesn't feel over-designed. And I love that. It is beautiful. It's blended so so perfectly. Sorry, I'm going to bring us back to point, just because I know that we'll get distracted. So alongside the ticket and the bar... Yep. Um, so we've, like I mentioned earlier, we've got this membership program that we run across the rest of our buildings. That's about our community. And you can be a member of our community at a paid level, but you can also be a member of our community at a free level. So it's really inclusive. Uh, and it means that what we can do in this space is open it up to our members and generate revenue from that. So they could be using the space. They can be bringing their activity and their events here. Um, which helps raise the revenue that we need to keep the doors open and the lights on. And, and is, oh, oh, go, go, oh. <laughs> um, and is it so? There'll be a bit of co-work space as well. 
is that right? Yes, I will. So we have, um, on the existing old side of the building, we will have co-working space, but you can come and sit at the cafe as well if you want. Um, and that will be open to members all the time, and then some hours it will be open to everybody. So it, it's really important to us that everybody who does come into the building gets access to that side as well. Yeah. So it does. we don't want it to be cut off. So there's loads of co-working space. We've got some um, a mezzanine with some office space upstairs, which is open plan workspaces. Um, we've got a production suite. So the production Cool. Suite, which is still currently empty, so you've got to use your imagination. And we'll have a high powered computer in it with all the software and kit that you would need to create and produce something for the dome. Um, and that again is really important yeah. because, in terms of the inclusivity, that could be somebody who's flown in from Germany who wants to come and render something before they put it on the dome, or it could be Joe who's come in to do a dome in the day just to, to play with stuff yeah, and see what he can awesome. create. So that's the, that's the idea behind that. And imagine if they crossed over. And, and yeah, absolutely, like how imagine cool if is they that? crossed over. Yeah, yeah. Um, those sliding door moments. And then we've also got some flexible um, event spaces upstairs. So much like we've got in our other buildings as well, we've always got those kind of bigger spaces that don't have anything in them to stop yeah. things from happening. Mm. So you can go in and um, do workshops and things like that. So we've got enough for kind of classroom space upstairs as well. Um, yeah, so... So it's, it's a mixed it's revenue a real model, mix, isn't it? Yeah. And I think we've learned that across Devonport Guildhall, across Ocean Studios, um, C-Space, which is a building we've um, in worked in in Newquay with mm. Crowdfunder. Yeah. Um, we've learned that it's got to be flexible. You know, we don't put too much fixed furniture in places. It's got to be able to shift and move mm. and cater to the needs of the community now, mm. but also the needs of the community in the future. Be as organic as you yeah. guys are, this space. And, yeah. and Lindsay, I heard Lindsay saying the other day, um, the dome is what people want now. But in 15 years' time, if dome isn't the technology... We can just remove it's that dome structure space, yeah. and put something else in there. So we're able to respond and um, not reflect the needs. Yeah. And it, like you said, it means we can flex and grow and be organic and spot those needs of the community, be that a professional community or the local community, and respond in whatever way we think we can. And that's the genius behind Real Ideas, isn't it? Is that you provide solutions to the challenges in the here and now. You're not stargazing to the future, what could be an issue, let's start working on it now. And you're not looking backwards, you're in the here and now going, okay, what challenges are you facing and how can we fix it? How can we make it better? And I think despite the challenges that it create, might have created for the design team, the architects and the builders, <laughs> um, changing, so next door in the existing uh, building was for, uh, originally going to be event conference space. Well, the world's changed from that, yeah. even in the last, well, very much in the last 12 yeah. months, but it had already started to change. And the what is now the dome room was going to be the workspace and office space. So after Lindsay going to Montreal came back and said, we're getting a dome. Um, <laughs> By the so way. those designs had to shift. And yes, that was a challenge. But actually, we've now got a building that has moved with the times mm. as well. So we've actually adapted even when we've been working yeah. on it. Um, yes. And as I say, it might have been a challenge, but we've overcome it. And yeah. we've ended up with something... <laughs> far more than we ever could have imagined yeah it's definitely grown um, <laughs> but I definitely think as well over the course of this last year and responding to Covid the response of people when they come into this building because it's big yeah because yeah. it's airy um, particularly in the in the historic part of the building where the co-work is going to be people feel really comfortable here mm. you know yeah. it's, it's it not a feel, pokey little office space it feels yeah, yeah. airy and safe and yeah. That was one healthy. of the things I was going to yeah. ask, actually, is for you guys, having worked on it for so long and looking forward to it opening, how does it feel with the challenge of COVID kind of preparing for reopening? Is it kind of liberating to get to a point where you can open it or is it scary or is it both? Oh, it's totally liberating and I cannot wait to open our doors and let people in. Like today, just having the community coming in and everyone, no one was anxious, no one felt unsafe. Mm. Um, everyone wore their masks and they, you know, they, they yeah. socially distanced, but some of them hadn't actually seen each other for a the, while oh, either, really so it's really lovely. nice. Um, but we've got a natural one-way system in the, from the cafe into the dome, so it means that people can safely go in experience something and come out a different door and um, we've got loads of doors we can open mm -hmm. so I just can't wait for people to be able to come in and we've because of COVID we've also been really cautious again going back to the financial model we haven't budgeted to have big audiences coming mm -hmm. in so um 
it means that we can get quite small audiences in at a time, actually. And it so feels a little bit spoke. more, yeah, yeah, it feels more special, I think, mm. for people. Um, and then we can gradually build it up. But in a way, it's also meant that we have got smaller audiences, which means yeah. we can get used to it and we can learn and we can adapt yeah. to how our audiences adapt in the space before more people come in. Um, so that feels yeah. quite exciting. And we, we're going to go through this period of test and learn now, yeah. between, you know, now and the next month or two, because full dome and immersive content isn't something people are used to so we want to test what do they like what what don't they like what might they be prepared to pay for it what might they not you know Mm -hmm. we've got this period now that I think we're so lucky Mm. to have this where we can really understand how audiences respond what they might want now what they might want in the future and also help us figure out any issues that we might not have thought of so it's going to be a really collaborative test and learn period with the community it was really interesting when i was lucky enough to come and see some um of the dome kind of in its full glory um I, and i came with um a friend and when we both came out we both had such different experiences of the very same thing and i just needed to talk like i needed to go oh my god oh my god oh. and and he was just very still very quiet mm. just needed to, and it, it's we're yeah. gonna have to as audiences We've never, the majority of us, have never experienced anything like no, that. No. Like sensory overload. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Talking of sensory, one of the mums came out today with a ten-week-old baby, and she oh. came out and she said, "What you could do here in terms of sensory experiences, even in other spaces, not just Who, the dome. Start them young, like babies in the dome. Yeah, babies in the dome. Just having really gentle kind of um, sensory experiences. Wow. And you could use the same content for yoga. So you know, it's that sort yeah. of or thing meditation or meditation. Yeah. And there's also some really brilliant research being done around mental health and um, people with learning disabilities that those sensory experiences Mm. can be hugely powerful Mm -hmm. Um, even people with dementia um, I was part of a conversation the other day where where someone was saying that gosh imagine if you could take someone with dementia back to a time immerse them in a time where they felt comfortable they've done that in some homes with VR and things like that that would be amazing in the dome the brilliant thing about the dome though is that it's a shared VR environment so in a VR headset you're really isolated you can't share it you can't talk about what you're feeling and seeing whereas in the dome environment you get that full immersive VR but you can have that conversation with the person next to you or just squeezing the hand of the person next to you that's the thing and I think what's also great about the dome is it gives it gives us as a city the opportunity to to bring the ocean to the city because you could do some amazing things with the seagrass that you know all of those things are happening Mm. but also you can make sure that people because I think the thing that we were having a conversation about before was it would be really easy to be quite scared Mm. by the whole experience Um, but what you're talking about now is actually it's it's for everyone and anyone it's it's not a scary thing. It's a welcoming thing. You might not like it. You might love it. You might want to come every week. You might want to come every month. But it, it's it's not scary just because of the the language that we use and yeah. the places it's been because it has been quite an academic um, thing in the past, hasn't it? Whereas it's not that. Yeah. This is not about that. It's um and despite the technology that's behind it, the dome is actually operated from an iPad. Mm. And it's, we've got a really simple interface. Wow. I've, been, I've been trained how to use it. It's great. <laughs> um, so we can come in and switch the dome on. And it means that actually if somebody did come into the cafe and they showed an interest in it, we could we actually could just go, oh, let's just go in. I'll just show you and we'll be able to switch something on. And you That's see. great. Even if we put the lights that are on around the bottom just to yeah, show, just yeah. to say, come in and have a look. So it is that it is very welcoming in that way. Yeah. We haven't got the closed doors. We can open up and say, just come and try it. Um, and that feels really, yeah, that feels like That's the right so thing to be doing. And so what are the um, dates, dates? Do you have a timeline? Oh, Jenny Bishop would love a lead-in, wouldn't you? I would love to be able to tell you the official opening date. Um, I don't think we can at the moment. Um, I'm not sure we've gone public with our official opening so date. So is it months, weeks? Um, summer, we're July. We're, we're working towards July. Amazing. I think we need to make sure everyone's following the market hall on on Absolutely. socials, yeah, it's at keep Market up to UK and um, Real Ideas is across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and if you go onto our website, you'll be able to sign up for news as well. Um, so, is that the free part of the membership that you were talking about? If you sign up to the newsletter, you yeah. get all of amazing. Yeah, you can join our membership for free. That means you get discounts, you get information about what we're up to, you get invited to things. So, yeah, it's a really easy way for people to to connect with us, become part of our community, and perhaps find those routes through to the things that they might be interested in. That's amazing. That is awesome. I 
I think it just sounds so amazing. It's so exciting. And how's the interest been from kind of local people in getting involved in actually putting content on the dome? Is it easy for them to do? Like, how does that work? It's been really easy because one of the decisions we've made really early on is that we want um, the kind of staffing structure and how it's operated and how people can use it to be really accessible and inclusive. So we've, um, we will deliberately be having open access so people can come in, whether they're a paid member or not, they'll be able to come in and, and use the space. Um, and we, we're not going to have a technical manager as such. So um, what we want is for the um, people in Plymouth to be able to learn skills from the techs that are already that kind of installed it. So Guy Nova, who, as, as I mentioned earlier, the brains behind it, they're gradually training a pool of people in how to operate the dome, how to create something for the dome, how to upload for the dome, um, which means that we'll end up sharing those skills in the, in the city and further afield and growing the number of people who can actually make stuff but also show others how to make stuff. Um, we're going to be creating workshops around dome in a day so you can actually rock up create something in a day and see it by the end of the day. Wow, oh, so that's will awesome. you keep those? Will you keep those so that you can keep showing them? And Absolutely, them? yes. Yeah. So that, and know, people with no like, previous tech So people tech with no tech ability so whatsoever cool. will be able to rock up and create something in that a day. That would be an so excellent birthday present. That would be such oh, a good experience present. It? It you know I love a birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it just demonstrates, I think, that that this space is for everybody. Just because yeah. it's a building with cutting-edge tech doesn't mean it's only for techies. Mm. You know, it's not just for those people who get really excited by it because that's their passion or that's their work. This is for everybody, whether you're a four-year-old or a 74-year-old based in you know, Devonport, perhaps, or, or a business person in Plymouth who's got an idea that perhaps immersive tech might be able to help something mm -hmm. that they're doing. Mm -hmm. oh, this building exciting. is really inclusive, and we want everyone to be able to come here, get involved, get inspired by stuff and um, see what the market hall can do for them. Mm. It's, that's part of our generosity. You know, we talk a lot at Real Ideas about generosity being part of what we do. We facilitate a space, mm. but it's for other Ooh. people to come in and use yeah. it to that's help great. move forward their ideas or, mm. or the things that they're interested in. Which is why it's really important for us not to be those techies. Um, yeah. I did get asked the other day what my background was in VR. And I haven't got a background in VR. <laughs> um, but what we can do is say, okay, well, I can't help you with this, but actually you've got skills in it. We just need to give you the space to be able to do, use, to do something. Or we know this or person. Or we know this person yeah. who we can connect you with, we can do and that. And that's really the kind of magic behind what we do, isn't it? And um, we are starting something called Start Something Immersive as well. So we've got 11, I think it's 11 or is it 13 businesses that, or business ideas um, that are going to be starting here. They'll get membership for a year. They'll have access to the spaces. And that cohort of people includes everything from someone who's just doing an immersive course and wants to maybe set up an agency but she's not quite sure what to do yet we've got someone who um, um, is semi-retired and has a, a load of story letters that have been sent from Australia from a family that moved from Cornwall to Australia back oh, in the 1800s oh, wow. and they want to bring that to life in in a dome and they don't quite know how to do it they but they've got all the content to be able to do it and we'll be able to hook them up with people to be able to do that That's we've so also got a guy who's been um, a student with um, ZBS who's him and his, his business partner Ryan are, um, are looking at um, 3D sound and they've, they've got an amazing 3D sound, 3D sound. I, I don't know <laughs> and that's okay that's, that's, really that's cool. okay but it's 3D sound he lives in Devonport yeah, he is around the corner and he's already had some training in how the video side of it works as well. So again, it's it's about those kind of baby steps and us meeting people where they are. Mm. And breaking you know, down those barriers. We've been really insistent that we need to know how that control room works and how to use the spaces. And it, it's, it's really about that. It's not about you just having to come with all the knowledge. It's about going... Well, I sort of want to do this, but not sure quite how. And that's the thing, isn't it? Starting any business, regardless of what sector you're in or kind of what, whether it's a product or a service, it can be a really lonely place because you could have the idea, you could have the content, you could, but you might not necessarily have the connections or the people to bounce ideas off. And I think this space Creates is going that to be that springboard that connects everyone with what they need. And that might be different things. That yeah. might just be someone to sit and have a coffee with when you've done a couple of hours typing. Or it might be actually someone where you go, do you know what, I've got this idea, don't know where to take it, can you help? 
And it, it's, it's just so cool. Yeah, and that's so what cool. our community is about more broadly, not just inside this building. And of course, it will exist in this building, but more broadly, uh, the real idea is community, particularly over lockdown, has grown internationally. Yeah. So we've got people in our network that if you're a member at a free level, at a paid level, um, you can access those people. Because you, you guys didn't stop, network and community did you, during, during lockdown. Oh, no. no. In fact, <laughs> it got busier. We launched our membership at the start of lockdown. Um, particularly because we wanted to start delivering online. We used to deliver a lot Mm. face-to-face and in person. And obviously COVID meant that we couldn't do any of those kind of Mm. activities. So we pivoted really quickly Mm. to delivering activity and content online um, and launched our membership, gosh, March 2020. Wow, wow, right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. And it's grown. We've now got 2,000 people as part of our membership. That's That's incredible. Who are all connected with our purpose and mission and and in different ways around different subject matter want to make the world and and their little bit of the world a better place and speaking of our little bit of the world tell us a beautiful little bit of the world world. (laughs) tell us a bit about how you ended up in Plymouth so obviously Jenny I know how you ended up (laughs) but tell us a bit about kind of what made you want to kind of have your careers here and really make a difference in the city because the roles that you guys have in Real Ideas and the work that you're doing is doing amazing things across the city. Tell us. Um, so I was born and bred in Plymouth at Freedom Fields. <laughs> um, so I've grown up in Plymouth and I'm very passionate about the city. I've always worked here. Um, I love it. And actually when it came to having children and settling down, it seemed like the best place to bring them up as well. Um, we're by the sea, we're by the malls. I know everyone says it, but you know that is it. No way it really makes a difference yeah. to our lifestyle. Um, we can jump in a car at the, at the weekends and go for lovely long walks on the moors and discover new things. And um, we did over like 30 miles, I think, in just a few months when we were locked down because it was the only thing to do. Um, and yeah, it's about being close to the beach as well. And I love the size of the city. I mm-hmm. love that. We always talk about it, don't we? We joke about it, the fact that it, Plymouth feels like a village. Everyone yeah. knows everyone. And I have had moments where I've thought, should I have gone somewhere else? Should I have gone away? Should I have gone to something else somewhere else? But I know everyone. <laughs> I know yeah. so many, you know, I've got a really and great network. And for that. And actually that has paid back in dividends in the, in the work I'm doing now. Um, and I do feel that because of the work I've been doing over the years, I've possibly... Like, made a little stamp on the city and yeah. made a few changes and um yeah that's really exciting definitely, <laughs> definitely. and what about you Jenny because I know that we always get asked if we are from Plymouth because we're both here yeah I'm hoping in a decade or two time I might be classed as a local but I've got a bit of a way to go yet I think um so I moved down in 2002 I was working in London for breast cancer care in their press office and having done a couple of years you know handling comms and media for a cancer charity it's it's quite hard going so I was looking for a a bit of a career change something a little bit more light-hearted I guess and I saw the job advertised for Plymouth Pavilions to handle their PR so I applied I came down for an interview and I got offered the the role and I moved here and I didn't know a soul I didn't know a soul in the city when I moved here um but very quickly it became home um again like Claire said you know it is the natural environment Mm. it's the the ability to be by the sea, be by the moors, have a really good quality of life. Mm. But for me, at 22, 23, moving down here, it was the ability to buy a house. Mm. You know, living in London, Mm. there's no way I could have done that. I moved down here, I was able to uh, buy my first flat, which was incredible. Um, And I managed to convince a certain sister of mine to move down in um, in 2009. And and for me, that's, that's what really made it home. Oh, I think. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's an extraordinary city to do work in. I think because people genuinely care. Yeah, yeah they genuinely definitely. care about the place and about the people. And um, God, I'm getting a bit emotional. I know. So yeah, we're all tired. I think that's that's the thing, though. Is it is it does feel like a village, and it does feel like you can make an actual difference on how people feel about the place and yeah, I think yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of perceptions in there that um oh Plymouth it's not Exeter it's not anywhere else but actually mm. I can feel especially over the last 12 months people have started to go 
actually, we love where we live. I think yeah. lockdowns almost made people open their eyes. Yeah, that's like how lucky yeah, are we this... that we were able to see the sea yeah, when yeah. everything was locked down. And I think all those amazing places that you didn't even yeah. know existed. I think as well, Plymouth's got um, a kind of grit yeah. that perhaps Exeter and Truro don't. I know Plymouth sometimes can feel like it's um, the, the second cousin, you know, the, yeah. the, the less affluent of Exeter and Truro. But I think what Plymouth has is a grit. It's um, Hannah Harris from Plymouth Culture talks about blue, green and grey. So really good urban environment matched with a really good um, green environment Mm. and the sea. And I think that's what makes it really special. And there's there's a lot of new energy, I think. Mm. And I feel like Plymouth's going to come out fighting from lockdown. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there is a lot of new energy. But I think that what's also, for me, something when... Having grown up here, and I've lived abroad and I've moved around, but Plymouth's always been home. It's always been the place that I thought I would be one day, back and stay. Um, but I think, for me, when you look at Plymouth, what, what you see in its history and its present day is people who have wanted to make a difference. People who have worked hard to make a mm. difference. People who have had true passion inside, and whether that's a family of 16 in a two-bedroom flat, or whether that, you know, every single person has had their own patch of Plymouth, their own footprint that they have wanted to make better. And, yeah, yeah. that they've been proud of. And I think that's what's coming back, that that has always been here, but I think we've forgot it a little bit. Mm. Um, Whereas now, you know, what other city can you think of that that rebuilt so quickly so they could get back to normal, so that they could get business mm. going again, so that people could feel mm. like they were having a better day. Yeah. And the amount that has actually kept going through lockdown yeah. as well, I've been astounded at the things that... And the amount of business, new, yeah, new things that, that started. Started. And, and some, some have accelerated so quickly and others have pivoted so quickly. Like the pace of change has mm. just been amazing to see, hasn't it? Mm. it has, and there's a real entrepreneurial spirit yeah, that I think, really you know, perhaps maybe... 30, 40 years ago with you know people being employed by massive employers like mm-hmm. the dockyard and the council, that entrepreneurial spirit hasn't always been as prevalent as it is now. Mm-hmm. But definitely during lockdown, you see the likes of um, Becker and Nee from Nook, yeah. uh, the guys at the Hutong. Yeah. People are really entrepreneurial yeah. in the way that they are going about, you know, doing business, mm. making a change, mm. create community. Yeah. A lot of those mm. small businesses aren't just trading mm. and generating jobs. They're generating a sense of community. Yeah. You just look at the community around Yoke Salon on the yard. Yeah. Yeah, it's not sure. just about hair, is it? No, it's, it's, it's yoga, it's swimming, it's health, it's lifestyle, it's mental yeah. health. And it's friendship. Yeah. It's friendship. Yeah. I think yeah. that connection. Yeah. Trying to make friends when you're an adult is so hard. Like so if hard. you don't if you don't meet people through work, I often I I often say to Jen, if I didn't have her in the city, sometimes I'd feel a bit like I didn't have that many friends. But those communities that start to get created, I feel yeah. a bit like a loser and I would just <laughs> <laughs> But you know, that community mm. that gets created, I think, mm. is really important for kind of breaking down some of that loneliness that we mm. often get of working and then you, you know if you don't have that social circle but it's I really also important. think it's on us too it's on yeah. us to be brave enough to join communities it's yeah, on us yeah. to be brave enough to say do you know what I deserve a little bit of time to myself or I deserve a moment to go and explore and see what they do or I do have enough value to have a conversation with someone and ask the questions mm-hmm. that I'm a little bit scared to ask mm-hmm. um so I think community is about people doing magical things and and setting up that entrepreneurial spirit and doing great stuff. But it's also about us as people being brave enough to put our toe in the water and go and explore Mm. things a little bit because there's so much in the city to explore. And if we just for a moment took a step out, um, we would be so much more connected to the brilliance that's happening on and off the cobbles. There's been quite a few conversations as well about people that have relocated to yeah. Plymouth as well um, in the last 12 months and Hale Bakery that have set up at Devonport um, they've you know they are they've decided because um, Kate who had a connection with the city already wanted to move back down they were living in London they wanted to give it up and saw the offer of the bakery at Devonport Guildhall and mm. decided well actually let's see what happens and they've said how welcoming it is as well mm. so people have actually just yeah. gone oh it's brilliant you're here and how can we help you and they've really quickly built their network in a lockdown yeah. and you know and I think and so many people have commented to me how lovely people are and how friendly people yeah. are who are new to the city Sure, you know, I remember my first day working at Plymouth Pavilions when I moved from London so I've been living in southeast London 
where generally at the time you don't make eye contact on the tube, you keep your head down, you keep yourself to yourself. I came, I came to Plymouth, worked at Plymouth Pavilions, I walked into town to buy a sandwich on my first lunchtime. And the woman at the till spoke to me, looked me in the eyes and spoke to me, and I almost fell over. <laughs> I couldn't believe that she was connecting me with me as one human being to another because I was so used to that London blinkered, yeah. you know, head down, don't look at other people, don't connect. And I think you're totally right, Plymouth, the connections in Plymouth are what make it really special. Mm. It's so true. It's not just the city, it's the people. Exactly that. Oh, ladies. I mean, we could go on and on and on, couldn't we? We should probably wrap up. Get on with our evening. Should we show you the dome? Oh, yes. Oh, hell yeah. Let's go. We will uh, report back. You can bring your drinks. That's fine. We will um, we will have to say farewell to the podcast, but we will um, take some little snippets and post them on our socials. But thank you so much for talking to us. Oh, it's been we so could talk for hours. Literally. Literally. Well, look, thank you for having us as your first guests. I feel super honoured. I do too. So yeah. just remind just remind everyone what do they need to link up to, to to find out more about what's happening and when Market Hall will be open. Just head to realideas.org, our website, where you'll find all of our social feeds. You'll be able to join our membership community if you want to. And you can sign up for news about the Market Hall and when it's opening. Amazing. Thank you so much for your hospitality. Thank you for your time. And it's been so good. And we'll see you next time, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Don't forget to tune in next time for your fortnightly dose of what's happening in our amazing little city by the sea.